and uh, the hurricane, and we all thought it was going to be bad in Louisiana, and it turned out to be worse in New York, and everybody there was surprised. Can you guys hear me all right? Is it on? Make sure I turn myself on. I did. <laughs> and I want you to know that we, um, we partner through our giving with Sin Relief. Uh, I think I've mentioned this to you before. There used to be a group called Baptist Global Response, which did worldwide outside the United States, Canada. Um, they used to do the worldwide response to disaster relief. And then there was Sin Relief, which was United States and Canada. And they have merged into Sin Relief. Um, there's a QR code. You can get more information from there, that, that code. You can just scan it with your phone, zoom in, uh, scan that. It'll take you straight to their website. As I want you to know that as they have, they have come together, now they serve not only the United States but the world, um, that our giving, some of what we give every Sunday, our regular tithes and offerings, a percentage of that we send to the Southern Baptist Convention, and it goes to a variety of things, um, not just disaster relief, but it also goes to, to help uh, fund and sponsor seminaries around the country, uh, send missionaries uh, on the field, uh, sponsor the North American Mission Board, International Mission Board, outside of our, our Christmas and Easter giving to those programs. Some of what we give every Sunday goes into those. So some of what you're giving already goes to Send Relief. We're going to watch a video here in just a second that'll kind of highlight um, what Send Relief does. But I want you to know um, you're already, when, when you see all of these things happening, you're a partner in this. Um, this is not a specific video about the response that is going on now. They're too busy right now to make a video. There'll probably be one out in another week or two. But we do know uh, from Feet on the Ground, our nephew who lives in Baton Rouge had some damage. And didn't they say they had Baptist, or they had Sin Relief folks on the ground there working? Um, so uh, I know that they had pre-staged around the periphery of Louisiana, out of the way of the hurricane, so that as soon as the hurricane could go by, they could move in. I imagine we probably have Baptist uh, working uh, through uh, state Baptist relief organizations as well as Sin Relief uh, in New Jersey and New York as well. And also, they're also formulating, as you'll see when you go to the site, re responses uh, for Afghanistan. If you feel compelled to give beyond what you're giving on Sunday, specifically towards that, you can find a way to do that on Send Relief, uh, when you scan that little code, it'll take you to a place and they'll tell you all about the, what they're doing and they give you an opportunity to give there. You can also give through the church, market as Send Relief, and we'll get it to there as well. Let's take a look at this video and then I'm going to talk for just another second afterwards. When disaster strikes, whether it's the surge of flood waters from a hurricane on the Gulf Coast or a typhoon in Southeast Asia, or the lack of water on drought parched farms in Africa or South America, Southern Baptists, with the help of Sin Relief, are ready to respond with help and hope. But not every crisis is a natural disaster. Around the world, people are struggling, walking miles for the basic necessities they need to keep their families alive, or starving for nutrients because even in their city of plenty, they're feeling alone and abandoned in a food desert. To respond to people in need, Sin Relief has ministry centers like this one in Clarkston, Georgia, in Metro Atlanta, and in cities across the U.S. But by working with our partners around the world to provide physical needs and share the everlasting hope of Jesus Christ, Southern Baptists through Sin Relief have the amazing opportunity to help people everywhere, not only survive, but thrive. Join Sin Relief to make this happen by participating in our mission trips, compassion events, and trainings 
and through prayer and financial support. The needs are everywhere, and together we can meet needs and change lives for people on the other side of the world and right down the street. Together, as Southern Baptists, we can be an unstoppable force of hope. Together, we are Sin Relief. So we're going to have real opportunities here in the coming years to participate more closely with Sin Relief than we've relief than we've been able to in the past. You noticed in the middle of the video they talked about Send Relief Care Centers or regional um, ministry centers, and they mentioned that there's one in Clarkston, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. I actually visited the care, uh, the ministry center that's being built in Chicago. It's very close to us. It's on, uh, it's in the neighborhood of Austin uh, on Lake, um, Lake and Central, right in that area of the Austin neighborhood. Uh, it's a huge facility. Uh, it's like four stories, including the basement. It was a church of another denomination years and years ago. They closed, uh, left it to somebody else. Another church had it for a little while. Now Sin Relief has it. There's a church that's meeting there um, called Chicago Bible. I think that's what it's called, Chicago Bible Church. Anyway, uh, I'm, not, I'm not absolutely certain about the name of the church, but I do know that they are in the midst right now of, did you know it? Oh, I thought I heard somebody say it out loud. Um, they are in the midst of remodeling that building right now. Uh, they're going to have a ministry center there uh, with a lot of opportunities for churches to partner with them in doing things in Chicago. Um, all kinds of different things. Could be feeding things such as what we're doing already um, and all kinds of ministry opportunities throughout the area. So I'm excited about that because it's like a 15-minute drive from here. I went there Friday and got a tour of the building, visited with the pastors of the church and the director that's on the ground for Sin Relief Ministry Center Chicago. Um, and they're excited to know that we're interested in being a part. So there's going to be opportunities for us to, to connect with them coming up in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, but you can get started uh, at any time. That uh, QR code is going to come back at the end of the service. Uh, finding out more about Sin Relief by getting on that website and checking that out. Now, a lot of you know, uh, last week, um, not this last week, I guess it was the week before, we were in Savannah. We went for a little vacation. Uh, we went and sat on the beach and had a good time. We did a lot of things while we were there. It was wonderful. We sat on the beach. Um, we took a dolphin boat tour out to see dolphins at sunset. Um, we got up real early one morning and watched the sun rise. Uh, we did one of those hop-on, hop-off tours, you know, where you, you can get on the little trolley and go through town. They tell you all the historic stuff. And I tell you what, we got home, and I was exhausted. And it was supposed to be a vacation. I mean, it was a vacation, and Lydia and I had a wonderful time. But this week, I have been so tired. It doesn't help that the sun didn't come out the last two days. I was so glad to see the sun this morning. It's been a couple of days of dreariness, and, and all of us have been so sleepy um, but it was exhausting have a vacation, having a vacation. Um, and, and I think we always think vacation is going to be a wonderful time to get away, and it is. But a vacation is not rest, is it? It really isn't. So I have a question for you. When is the last time you really rested? When is the last time you truly took a day off that was purely for rest? I think part of the problem with this is our definition of the word rest um, we, we think a lot of things about what rest might be. Um, I made a little list of things that we take time off to do. I'm sure it's, it's not exhaustive by any means. There's hundreds. Um, go to a sporting event. 
go to a movie, work in the yard, take care of family business, take the kids to the doctor, celebrate an anniversary, recover from an illness, recover from an injury, clean the house, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, I, as, as most of you know, I think, and now you all will know, I take Mondays off, and I try to protect Mondays from any kind of phone calls, business of the church, work, anything like that. But, but even then, it can be hard to rest because you know what I end up doing on Monday a lot of times? Mow the lawn, go grocery shopping, right? Fix what's broken in the house. <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, and you know what the list is. We have an almost 100-year house. A lot of you guys live in old houses. There's always something vying for our attention. There are, are hundreds of things that we could be doing instead of resting. But Scripture talks repeatedly, Old Testament, New Testament, about rest. So let's unpack this. First, the word rest. You know, I love definitions, so let's take a look. The word rest means to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. That doesn't sound like mowing the lawn, does it? I don't know about you, but mowing the lawn does not refresh me. Uh, and, and Lydia and I have a whole list. I'm not going to put Lydia under the bus on this. And we have a whole list of stuff we want to fix in the house. A lot of you know in the last three years we've been here, we remodeled all three bathrooms. Well, some of the remodeling we did in one of the bathrooms, we're not happy with. So I got to fix that. That's on the list. You know, the, the grout, not grout, but the, the caulk behind the sink that should be nice and clear and clean is like black. It's gross. Lydia's like, I can't believe you told everybody. Go look behind your sink when you get home today. Yours is black too. So I've got I've to carve that out, clean it, sanitize it, and put new caulk in, right? I have this list of stuff, but those kind of things, they don't refresh me. They don't help me recover my strength. They don't help me um, to relax. Newton's first law of motion, I'm going to throw this in here because I love it. It states this, and it, it, this is primarily a law of physics in relation to objects, to things that are moving, physical things. It states this, an object at rest will stay at rest. An object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by a net external force. That sounds fancy, doesn't it? In other words, something moving will keep moving unless something stops it. You ever been stopped? Stopped by an illness? Stopped by something serious because you haven't rested? Guess what happens if we don't act upon our, our, our ongoing motion with rest? Bad things. And God knew that. God knows that. God designed us. He made us. He created us. And he knows that we have to have rest. If you don't actively seek, this is how this, this law of motion applies to us. If you don't seek to have rest, you're going to go and go and go and go. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because as soon as you get off work, you're going. You're doing something. There's no stillness. There's no quiet. There's no relaxing. There's no refreshing. But we know God wants us to have rest, don't we? If we've spent any time in Scripture at all, if we've studied anything in the Bible, we've ever heard a pastor teach or somebody talk in a class uh, about what the Bible teaches, we know that the Bible talks about rest, but we're terrible at it. We're terrible at this. We work and we work and we work. And I don't know about you, but I've met people that see that as a badge of honor. You ever known somebody? Work, 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 never rest. Resting is for weaklings. Anybody ever told you that? You ever heard that? Don't rest. That is bad advice. That's evil advice. That, that's, that's wrong. 
It's, it's in fact sinful advice. But there are people that wear the badge of honor of always being in motion and always work, always working, always busy, and rest, and lack of action, lack of movement, lack of productivity is seen as a weakness. I think it's the other way around. I think that rest is not for the weak, but rest is in fact for the strong. Let's unpack some scripture here. And we're going to look at some characteristics of God. Revelation 1.8 uh, Jesus says this, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Well, this is the Lord God. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. God says this about himself. I am the Almighty. I'm eternal. Uh, I've always been. I always will be. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. Uh, I will always be. And I am the Almighty. Almighty is a simply, simply a word that means mightier than anything else. He is Almighty, all-powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17 says this, Ah, Lord God, <coughs> excuse me, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. God is a creator, all-powerful, almighty, who has no task, no thing in this world, universe of creation that's too hard for him. He's strong. He's powerful. Isaiah 40, 28 says this, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint, he does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. His, his, he, he's the creator of all things. He spoke everything into being with the power of his word. His thoughts and his ways are unfathomable to us. He's everlasting. He never grows faint. He never grows weary. His understanding is above ours. And if that's not enough, Isaiah 55, 8, 9, uh, 8 and 9 says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as, high, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He is the pinnacle of all things. He's amazing. He's mighty. He's all-powerful. He never gets weary. But you knew there was a but coming. Genesis 2. One through three. Take a look at this with me. It says this. This is, this is the, the, the last day of the creation cycle at the beginning of everything that God created. And it says in verse 1, starting in chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it God rested from all the work he had done in his creation. God rested. Do you think the almighty, all-powerful creator of all things, nothing's too hard for him, unfathomable thoughts and ways, do you think he needed a rest I'm going to say no. That he did it to, to show us something, to teach us something. In the second chapter of the Bible, it was important enough to God for you to know that you needed rest, that he's going to model it for us by resting. Work six days, rest on the seventh. I want us to take a look at what God told the people of Israel uh, over in Exodus 20, if you'll turn with me. 
uh, either on your phone or in your actual Bible. We have Bibles in the seats now. You can grab those out. It'll also be on the screen, but I love to get you guys opening your Bible. It says this, um, Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, female servant, your livestock or sojourner who is with, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is, in, that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's a little humor here. There's a little humor in here. Do you, do you see the little bit of humor here? Rest for a day at one out of seven because God created everything in six and rested in the seventh and you think you're greater than God because you don't rest that's what you're saying that's what I'm saying when we don't rest we're saying I know better than you do God you know what that's called it's a little short three-letter word starts with an s that's a sin it's a sin not to rest. It's a sin not to take seriously the things of God. When he says you need rest and he models it for you and he commands you to do it and he even lays down a principle by saying work six days, uh, take the seventh day off because even the almighty God who created everything took a day off of rest to show you you needed it. But we don't do it. We don't rest. Mark 2. And then we're going to unpack all three of these kind of at the same time. Mark chapter 2, look with me, starting in verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus, this is the he here, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. As they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did? When he was in need and he was hungry, he and those who were with them, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but those uh, who are priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were there with him. And then he said this, this is the important point, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord of even the Sabbath. Uh, I think we get confused because one of the things Scripture talks about here, we're, we're going to unpack um, these three passages, Genesis, Exodus, Mark, um, it, it, we get confused uh, and we think we just have the ability to kind of pick and choose sometimes what we want to do and what we want to believe. But if we unpack these three passages, one of the things that sticks out the most is remember the Sabbath. Remember to rest. Don't forget to take the time to refresh and renew and relax your body that God said you needed. And why do we do it? Two reasons. Because God said to. That's the first one. We can say amen and go home now. I, I, I really don't need to unpack the rest of what I have written here. My, my timer says I got 17 more minutes to talk. Um, I don't, we don't need 17 more minutes really if we're going to take seriously the things of God when God says do something and we do it. We shouldn't have to be convinced. A lot of times that's what sermons are, aren't they? They're like a convincing statement of, of scriptures and things pulled together to try to talk us into doing what we should already be doing and know we should be doing. Um, God said to do it. Exodus 20, verse 8, we read a moment ago. God said, do it. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And we also do it because God modeled it. God knew that telling us wasn't going to be enough. 
because he knows we're sinful and he knows we're prideful and he knows we think we know better so he says not only am i going to do it and isn't that something i mean i think of the best leaders you know Think of the best leader you know, uh, a leader that, that lives out and models what they expect for you to do. Man, I, I don't, I, I always, I'm sure you've had the job with a supervisor who tells you to do all the dirtiest, worst stuff, and they don't ever do anything. That's like the worst, right? Jesus was the servant and he calls us to live the same way. And he got that from his father because his father said, not only am I going to command you to rest, I'm going to model it for you. I'm going to show you how to do it. You work six days, you take the seventh day and you rest. So he commanded it and he modeled it. Next he said to keep it holy, Exodus 28. Now the word holy is a hang-up word for some of us. Uh, if we grow up in other faith traditions, it kind of has this mystical quality to it. And something's holy, it's like, ooh, ah, you got to bow in front of it. Maybe cross yourself. And I'm not making fun of other religions by any means. But, but we, we have this idea that a holy thing is something other than what it is. And in this context, the word holy is referring to the same thing it, it refers to in other contexts. It means set apart. Something that's holy is something that's set apart. It's reserved for something special. It's for something else. We have the common things, and then we have the set apart things, okay? So when we hear that the Sabbath is holy, it's not a ooh-ah, we bow down to the, the Sabbath. It's like a holy thing. We, we, what we need to understand is that the Sabbath is set apart. It, it's set aside. Common, six days of work, special, holy set aside day of rest seventh day work for six days and then rest that's that's the next point do no work we're gonna we're gonna tie all these together in a minute because they tie together on this last point the sabbath was created for you and it was created for me remember what it said we just read it a moment ago uh have you have you not understood he says the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath the Sabbath, the rest, the, the seventh day, the refreshing of your heart and your mind and your soul and your body and the, the relaxation and the restoration that comes from that was for you. We set it apart and make it holy. We make it special. It, it's, it's special because God says, you need this rest. You have to rest. We used to live in Montana. Um, there were a lot of things about Montana I didn't care for. One of the things I did like was you could get away from people real easy. <laughs> you jump in your car, drive for about 15 minutes, get on a trailhead, walk for 30, and then there was nobody for miles. Man, talk about finding a place to rest. Now, if you spent the whole day hiking, you weren't resting, but if you stopped and you just sat down on a rock. I mean, can you imagine, right? I mean, all of us can imagine. Anybody here never been hiking in the mountains, seen a forest or a tree? You can kind of imagine. Just think about how refreshing that is to get away from everything. I love that. I miss that here. I don't feel like there's a place to refresh here. You got to drive. I don't know where you drive. Drive to Wisconsin, maybe. I don't know. Drive to Iowa, sit in a cornfield. It's hard to get away, but God wants us to rest. He wants us to rest, and he knows we're terrible at it. And we have to get better. We have to get better at this. Take a look at Matthew 11 as we talk about what Jesus had to say further about resting. 
Matthew 11, starting in verse 28, says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all who labor. Anybody here? You labor? Everybody who labors, raise your hand. I think I see all the hands. But some people aren't raising their hands, and they should. We all labor. We labor. So he's calling to all of us, isn't he? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mentions it twice. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus here is not saying, come to me and I'll give you prosperity. Come to me and I'll give you entertainment. Come to me and I'll give you success and riches. Although sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that's what the scriptures are promising, and they're not. There are whole denominational organizations out there trying to tell us that the way we think and, and, and understand Scripture is that we're going to get a bunch of stuff from God. But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, come to me and I'll get, give you a bunch of stuff. That's not what he said. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. Who needs rest today? You should all have your hands up. If you've been listening, even if you don't feel like you need it, right? But some of us know we need rest. I need rest. We all need rest. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. This is a cause and effect, right? It's an invitation. Anybody do computer programming languages? Maybe you studied that somewhere in the past. You learned to write basic, really. I, I learned that in high school. I think they thought everybody was going to like write programming code when they grew up. You know, it's a simple if then. If something happens then, right? If you come to Christ, then you will have rest. It's a simple statement. Jesus invites us to come and receive rest, to receive freedom from work, freedom from toil, from strain, from activity, a cessation of motion and action. It's not mowing the lawn. It's not taking a vacation. It's comprehensive. It's a rest from labor, from mental exertion. Oh, I, I tell you, sometimes the mental part's the hardest part to get away from, isn't it? And we struggle with that. We're like, okay, I'm going to go rest. And you go and you sit down and you rest. And all of a sudden, I don't know how it is with you. When I sit down and try to rest, that's when I need the sheet of paper and the pen. Because all of a sudden, I remember all the things I should have been doing. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, and then you start to stress instead of rest. Because all the stuff comes to mind of that you should be doing. Listen. When your body is at rest, it ceases to move. When your mind is at rest, it ceases to be disturbed and agitated. And some of us are very disturbed. <laughs> and some of us are agitated. <laughs> and some of us are agitated and disturbed. And we need to have a mind that is in rest. When your soul is at rest, you find peace. And that would, oh, and we're going to unpack a little bit about what Jesus says with his yoke here. Because we need to find this peace and this rest. This verse that I read a moment ago, the, I'm just going to read it again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn, you will learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That was the very first verse I ever memorized in Scripture. I didn't read it to you from memory today because we're using ESV and I learned it in a different translation. A lot of us suffer from that, right? You learn, you, you will notice sometimes when I read scripture, it doesn't match what it says on the screen because other translations sneak in there. Um, it, but I try to be careful with that. 
But listen, that verse is special to me. Uh, not only because I learned it first. I'm not sure why that was the first verse I ever learned. But the implication of that verse is this. There are two yokes, right? It doesn't say there's two yokes, but the implication is Jesus says, take my yoke, which implies we have another yoke that we're wearing. You know what that yoke wants to do? You know, yoke is the, the, the connecting mechanism between the animal and whatever it's pulling, right? It looks different for different animals, whether it's ox or, you know, you, you could apply the idea of yoke to any kind of animal that pulls. Whatever kind of contraption you attach the animal to whatever is being pulled is a yoke. The yoke of this world wants to crush you. It wants to grind you down. It wants to wear you out. Not because it's mean, uh, not because um, it even has a care in the world about you. That's just what the yoke of the world does. It's busy, busy, busy. It's work. It's work at play. It's work at home. It's work, work, work. Anybody been wearing that yoke lately? Okay, well, I have one honest person, two honest people in the room. <laughs> I'm not saying the rest of you are liars, not by any means, but the world will crush you if you wear the yoke of the world. Jesus says, I have a different yoke. The, the yoke you're wearing is heavy. It's the opposite of all the things. What has he said? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, the yoke of the world is heavy and it's crushing it's crushing. It's awkward. It's ill-fitting. The other one fits perfectly in every way because it's the yoke of the Creator. He knows you, and He created you, and He knows what you can do in His power. One is the yoke of the world. The other is the yoke of Christ. And make no mistake, you are yoked to something. Whether or not you admit it, whether or not you know it, are you connected? Are you yoked with something that is going to crush you? Or are you yoked to Christ who will give you rest? Jesus says twice in this passage, you will find rest. Come to me, you who are burdened, heavy burden, heavy laden, and you will find rest. Rest means you stop. It means you cease. It means you stop moving. You quit. You take a break. It means this, and we don't like this one. It means acknowledging you have limits. Some of us think we're limitless. And the older we get, the more we realize that's not true. Right, Terry? <laughs> Terry, how far are you about to ride? 500 miles on a bicycle. You're crazy. I love it, though. You're going to push it. You're going to make it? You're going to do it? Yes. I think you're going to I think you're going to you're going to be great. But we have limits. We have limits in how much we can do in a day, in an hour, in a life. And God knew that we had limits. And some of us are using up later life by being too busy early in life. You want to live long? You want to serve the Lord long and healthy? Take up the yoke of Christ. It's about being instead of doing. That's hard. 
it's hard to just be. Have you ever spent time with somebody just being? What happens? Right? This thing makes it really hard to be. It makes it really hard to be. Because even in your quiet moment, man, you can take out that phone and do something. You know what I'm doing lately? I take it out. I don't have my, my I have a little pocket of AirPods. I put one in. I pull that out. And I'm learning Spanish. I know it's, it's a good pursuit. At least it's not wasted time. I'm doing Duolingo and I'm learning Spanish. But I have to be careful. Because anytime I have a spare moment, I like put in my head, I'm going to learn some more Spanish. Guess what I'm not doing when I'm learning Spanish? Not resting. Not resting my mind. We have to be careful. Even things that are good can be bad if they take us away from the rest in Christ that we have to have. Rest creates time and space to refill. And this may be the most difficult for us. Because for us to take this seriously, we have to carve out time and space. Um, I have a pretty unique job as a pastor. Um, a lot of pastors work 24-7, seven days a week, and they don't take any time. Pastors can be really bad at that. When we first uh, were, were married, we lived in Seattle, we went to seminary, we were there for us, we went to plant a church. I think I've told this story before. Um, I went door to door in this neighborhood. It was a different day and a different place, and people were like real receptive to knocks on the door. Not like now. You wouldn't do that in Chicago. <laughs> Might not make it through the day. So I set a goal. I was going to knock on every door in this neighborhood. There were about 8,000 residents. So that's not that many houses. I was going to do it in, by the end of the summer. I was going to talk to every person. It's not 8,000 houses, just 8,000 residents. You know, So there's three or four or five in a house. It wasn't that many homes, a couple thousand. I was, we, when you move to a place to start a church, you got nothing but, but, but time. You don't know anybody. You don't have a building. You don't have a place. You don't even need a Sunday service. You got hours and hours of free time just to go do something, right? So I was going to knock on every door. I was going to meet every person. I was going to take a survey, ask five or six questions of every person, boil that down at the end, and start a small group, take that, and start a church, take that, and find a place, and let it grow. And that's exactly what happened. But early on in that, I came home one day. We had had our second child, Kara, right before we moved from Texas to Ohio. And I came home one day. It was, what, a couple months in, Lynn? Two or three months in. I walked in the door after a long, glorious day of talking to people. Lydia stuck at home with the babies. And she said, she, she looked at me when I walked in the door, and she said, when's the last time you held Kara? That was our second daughter. And I just started crying because <laughs> I couldn't remember. I've been doing the Lord's work. Even the Lord's work can be wrong if you do it in the wrong way. Ministry can be wrong if you misapply it. So you got to hold my feet to the fire. Dick checks on me every Monday. You resting? He sends me a text every Monday. Hey, you resting? People don't call me. Sometimes somebody will call me and they'll say, hey, you resting? They'll just to check, just to make sure. Don't do that. <laughs> Everybody's going to like call, hey, Sean, are you resting? Not now. <laughs> But she said, when's the last time you held Kara? And, and, and I was like, I don't know. And so we sat down after the tears, and it's like, okay, we need to reevaluate our schedule because that's not the schedule God wants us to have. Work day after day after day after day, even if it was good things. 
even if it was good things. God designed us to have a rest. So this is probably the hardest part of this that each of you is going to have to grapple with independently on your own or with your spouse or your family. You have to get together and say, when is our time we're going to rest? Like I said, I have a unique job. I can just say, I want to take all of Monday off. And everybody's like, okay, right? Or I could change it to Tuesday. You know what? I'm going to work Monday, but I want to take Tuesday. Everybody's like, all right. I want to take Sunday. I want to work every other day but Sunday. And people are like, nope, that won't work. So, so there, are some, there are some limits, right? But I can pick and choose my time and I can say, okay, I'm going to work these six days. And I work some of all the other six days. And man, it is hard not to work on Monday. It is so hard not to get out the pen and the paper and make a list of things that I need to do for the next six days because, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do. And we all have that. But we have to take some time and seriously come before the Lord to create time and space in our lives to rest. Set aside work, striving, and producing in favor of quiet, relaxation, refreshment, and stillness. Man, it sounds good. You know, one of the ways you can renew your mind, we talk about it all the time, and refresh your mind is with God's Word. I'm not saying you need to turn your whole rest time into quiet time because then you're just doing something again. But maybe you need to start your rest time with a little bit of God's Word. Make that the opener. Open up Psalms. Open up something. Ask the Lord to clear your mind, clear your heart, clear your schedule. Read a little scripture, pray, and then just rest. Sit out in the backyard under a tree. We have a back deck. Of course, now right now, we have grapevines, and there's like a million rotting grapes falling all over the place. It's disgusting. But normally, it's a great place to sit. But I wouldn't recommend there right now. We have a nice bench in the front yard when the sun's not shining on it. But it's nice. I go for walks at night. Um, Lydia had a, a hurt foot, so she hadn't been able to walk with me. But there for a while, I was going every evening about 8, 9, 10 o'clock, I would walk all around Elmwood Park, then I'd come back, and I'd just sit on that bench and do nothing for like 15 minutes. It's nice just to sit sometimes and do nothing, isn't it? When you don't have the phone, you don't have Spanish in your ear, you don't have Facebook, you don't have Netflix, you don't have text messaging, you, you just put all that aside. Maybe just leave the phone in the other room and find time to relax. Why? I'm just going to fall back on, on the, the best position there is. God said so. God said so. God said to do it. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the, the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Man, if there's anything. And I wrote this week, and I wrote everybody. I was so excited. I said, come, uh, listen to this. Study this. Take these messages the, the verses in the scripture home and, and digest this this week because I think this might be one of the most important messages that we've, we've done since we've been here. Honestly, I feel that strongly about this because we do such a bad job just as people in the world of rest. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll teach us this week uh, even beginning today how to do this. And for some of us, it's going to be a struggle, Lord. We have to acknowledge our limits. We have to learn how to be instead of do. Lord, give us the ability uh, and, and the desire to sit down and carve out and create time and space in our schedules for times of refreshment 
and restoration in you. Lord, we can start it out in your word. We can pray. But then, Lord, just help us to be for a minute, to refresh. Um, Lord, I, I cast my mind back to sitting out in the mountains with nobody else around and, and just thinking about how wonderful that is. And Lord, maybe we each need to find that thing. It might be a special room in the house. It might be a special place in the house. It might be somewhere in the yard. Uh, it might be somewhere else completely different, a park. It, it doesn't matter where it is, Lord. Help us, Lord, and give us the boldness to take seriously your word that we might come to Christ. All who are heavy burdened, all who are tired, all who are weary, and find rest in you. Lord, teach us to be still that we might know that you are God. And we pray this, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.